Welcome to Parkview, everybody. Hello to all of our campuses, our living room campus, our family room campus, our basement campus, our bathroom campus. We know you're there, and so do your kids, but that's okay. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Weird time for us, to be sure, um, you know, because uh, everything's just different, man. I mean, people are going crazy. Uh, this morning, I was walking by my neighbor's house, and I saw her talking to her cat, and it was obvious that she thought the cat understood her. I came into my house and I told my dog and we just laughed and laughed and laughed. The weird part is that this, uh, you know, church online thing means that some of you are in states and countries who are done with quarantine. You're not likely to be going to church for a while, but you can still actually get your hair cut and stuff. At this point, I'm going for a mullet or a man bun. You let me know which things you think it ought to be. My son-in-law is going back to work in Nashville this week because they're going the other way. But alas, another great reason to live in the state of Illinois. We're sheltering at home. We have, however, people in our church now from Pflugerville, Texas, from Tornado, West Virginia, from Germany, from Ghana, from Australia, from Delhi, from Myanmar, um, Gabby, our missionary down in the Dominican Republic with her new little baby, they're down there. Uh, we got Sam and Mala in Malawi. We got Pastor Lonnie in Cash, Oklahoma. We're doing Life on Mission. We just welcome all of you. Um, the last week of Life on Mission is May 31st, and it is the end, as we know it right now, of shelter at home for us in Illinois. So we're preparing to go out and be the church when we get out, okay? Because we have a mission. And Pentecost, the whole thing about Pentecost was Pentecost was May 31st. That happens to be the coinciding day. So 50 days after Easter, God is preparing during this time that we're in now, he's preparing the church to launch the church on the day of Pentecost. And that's what we're praying for. I love that some of you are putting crosses in your yards, and I've been seeing pictures of them. Um, we're going to be the mission while we can, but we're really going to be ready for when we're done. So let's talk about life on mission. Please get in a group. Please get in a, in a Zoom group. Get on. Get the books. Get the material. Our website is parkviewchurch.com, and then it's slash backslash LOM, okay? That simple. All the resources are on there. As a matter of fact, we're working on audio book right now. I've got several chapters that we've released of that already uh, so that you can have the audio book, and I'm going to try to get caught up. Um, the, the five things that we do are we connect, we serve, we share, we grow, we pray. That's how we live our life on mission. This is based on the five purposes from Purpose Driven Life from Pastor Rick Warren. Um, and the first week was connect. So just like Jesus did with the tax collectors and the sinners, the Bible says that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But how do we do that? Well, one day a religious guy asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second like it is Love your neighbor as yourself, okay? But then the guy asked, a, a, it's a great question, but then he asked a really dumb follow-up question when you get to Luke's version. And I like, I want to switch over to Luke's version. I call him a sports reporter and what made Jesus mad. You, you know what I mean? Like the reporter says, well, how does it feel to be the winner? Uh, good. Well, how do you think you won? Uh, well, we uh, really 
came to play today. It was a total team effort. Felt really good to execute. We played really hard. We gave 110%, and you flip off the TV, right? So sports reporter, teacher of the law guy asks, who is my neighbor? This is important to know. He's a teacher of the law, okay? And Jesus knew his heart. He knew this wasn't a, just a guy asking a dumb question. You know, they say there are no dumb questions. Now, this is a dumb question. He was asking the question because of his own ideas of just how far he had to go to make God happy. That's all he wanted to do, which is why I'm surprised that Jesus didn't just sweep the leg on the guy and, and, and throw him down. I mean, Jesus could tell the intent of the question. He was a teacher of the law. This guy knows the rules, so he wants to do everything right, which, of course, meant not loving the wrong neighbor. Basically, Jesus' response was, if you have to ask for a definition of a neighbor, you are already a bad neighbor. Pretty simple, right? But see, this guy, he didn't want to love the naughty neighbors that Jesus was always hanging out with. I mean, that can't be right, right? Because he's a teacher of the law. He wanted to do just enough neighbor loving to follow the law, but nothing more than that. To me, it's kind of like a husband asking his wife, now, honey, exactly how many times a day should I tell you that I love you? I want to know how many times so that you'll be happy and, and maybe be in the right mood later, you know, if you know what I mean. Hey, buddy, you just answered your own question. Jesus didn't lay him out, however. He did the normal thing, and he told a story. And it's found in Luke 10, if you want to turn on your phones and your Bibles or whatever. And, and I'll paraphrase it for you. Uh, once upon a time, there was this Jewish guy who's walking home from Jericho to Jerusalem, uh, and he'd been to Walmart, and depending on, you know, what state he lives in, he either got to go actually inside or, you know, he just picked up his stuff, and he's on his way home. And it's this 17-mile stretch of road that did not have very good lighting, you know, there's no highway patrol. And lo and behold, a gang of thieves jumps him and robs him and beat him. And they left him for dead. And it's a bad deal. But wait, along comes someone to help. If this guy has any consciousness at all, if he can see out of maybe even one eye, he looks up and he's like, oh, I hope this isn't another bad guy. Oh, oh, good. It's a, it's a priest. But the priest decided not to get involved. On his list of things that make God happy, this did not score highly enough. He had some religious stuff to do, so he couldn't be a good neighbor. Notice what the priest does. The priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Okay, Read that. He went out of his way to avoid doing the right thing. Are you with me? Out of his way. There's this other character that's even more interesting, and he is a Levite. He's more interesting to me in 2020. Jesus used a priest and a Levite because they were in the same category, okay? Remember, this is a teacher of the law, so, you know, he asked the stupid neighbor qualifying question, and so Jesus uses the two bad guys, the first two guys in the story, to, to, to be in that same category, all right? And just so you understand, a Levite was somebody who God set things up so that they uh, were, there were, there were, there were laws about cleanliness. 
And many of them had to do with germs that they hadn't discovered yet. So the Levites' job were to help keep the people clean, basically. They were the OCD neat freaks for God, and they were the ones that offered sacrifices that allowed the people to be able to be in the presence of God. And if they, the Levites, were defiled, then they couldn't, uh, they couldn't offer sacrifices for the people. And one of the things that defiled people was dead things. Uh, dead things are filled with germs. I don't know if you know this. So I think it's a good rule. So he, he sees the guy, and, and he doesn't know if he's dead or not. And he's like, well, I, I got the dead guy rule. I don't touch dead things. It's a good rule. I see dead people. That's fine. Just don't touch them, okay? So two, a Levite, what does he do? He came to the place, and he saw him, and he passed on the other side, Okay? So if this guy goes over and rolls the dude over and finds out that he's dead, then he's contaminated for seven days and he can't do his religious duty. He won't be able to do his church job. Okay, this is so great. But wait, I've taught this story a million times, but it changes today. Because the Levite's reason for being a bad neighbor, it wasn't inconvenience. It was contamination. Wow! This whole story is a new story in 2020, isn't it? Who is my neighbor? The person you literally have to walk out of your way to avoid. The person who might contaminate you. Do you understand that? Listen, don't take this the wrong way. I don't want our church going out and breaking the law or being irresponsible. Several outbreaks of COVID-19 happened because churches were ignorant, and that is ignorant. But it does change the way I look at this story. Like, for example, let me say at the, from the bottom of my heart to those of you who are first responders and health workers who are literally being the good Samaritan. That's what we call this story because of character number three. You're literally being the good Samaritans, and we thank you. Some of you are even doing it at Good Samaritan Hospital, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for not allowing the fear of contamination from stopping you from being a good neighbor. I know you can't hear us, but we're clapping for you right now. We are, okay? And I know they've been doing flyovers over the hospitals. Picture me in a fighter jet flying over your house right now and pretend I look like Tom Cruise because, I mean, you know, if we're pretending, let's just keep going. So if you ask the priest and the Levite if they remember seeing a beaten up man by the side of the road on the way to Jericho, I bet they would have literally said, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about because they didn't really see him. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, okay? The Samaritan was a plot twist and a half, exactly the wrong person to be showing up the priest and the Levite, uh, I mean, he, he didn't even worship God correctly. That's why Jesus makes him the hero. Who was he? He actually paid attention to the per people who had needs around him. That's all that matters. That's it. One of the most important keys to loving your neighbor is to actually see your neighbor. Like, my favorite illustration of this is the Noah movie. Did you see the new Noah movie, Russell Crowe? 
Was it really weird to you? I mean, I, I watched it on international flight under the influence of ambience, so I, I'm not really sure, but it was pretty weird. There was this strange subplot about how Noah believed that God wanted him to personally wipe out the human race. Like, you know, I mean, the flood was going to do it, but everyone else Noah had to kill as well. The problem is his daughter-in-law gets pregnant in the meantime. I mean, with his own grandchildren, um, but, but Noah gets it in his mind that they weren't supposed to be born because they're not supposed to be on the ark, which, by the way, has absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. The even weirder part was that his granddaughter is played by Hermione from Harry Potter. You know, so the big ending is Noah holding a knife, approaching Hermione, who's holding the babies, and Dumbledore's nowhere to be found, and the orchestration builds up to this dramatical crescendo, and the violins go up really high, and, 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 and you're right at that scene, and and then Noah saw the babies. He looked down into their eyes. And at that moment, he realized, oh, I love them. <laughs> it was so dumb. And thankfully, Russell Crowe didn't sing either. So that was a bonus. This is what I will call, however, the lens of compassion. I would say it this way. The priest and the Levite looked at the man, but the good Samaritan saw the man. The, the lens of compassion is that moment when we are given the ability to see a person or a situation with a new perspective. And the only way that we're going to complete our mission is if we put the lens of compassion on. When Jesus saw the crowds, the Bible says in Matthew 9, he had compassion. Seeing. Among the tribes in Natal in South Africa, the most common greeting equivalent to like hello or how you doing in English is the expression sawabona, sawabona, which literally means instead of hello, it literally means I see you. And if you were a member of the tribe, you would reply by saying sikona, sikona, which means I am here. Sawubona, I see you. Sikona, I am here. The order of the exchange is important because until you see me, I don't exist. And the only way we can fulfill our mission is if we have the lens of compassion and, and our compassion is greater than our comfort and it's greater than our contagion. I wrote about this story in the book, Life on Mission. Elizabeth Sherrill is a writer from New York. One day she was writing and she came across this skunk. She was looking out the window and saw a skunk stumbling through her backyard with a what looked like a yellow helmet on its head. Um, closer scrutiny revealed it wasn't a yellow helmet. It was a yogurt carton. The skunk had been trying to eat out of the yogurt carton and got it stuck on his head. Elizabeth, who was watching the whole scene unfold from her computer in her desk, said, somebody should do something about this. And then she said, well, somebody besides me should be doing something about this. Surely someone will come along. But it didn't happen. Eventually, she realized she was the only person in a position to do something about the poor creature. So she called the city and talked to someone in animal control. Listen, I got a skunk in my backyard and he's wearing a yogurt carton. What should I do? The man said, well, you need to remove the carton from its head. She said, well, what if he sprays me? What do I do then? Well, you're fine because the skunk can't see you, he said. If he can't see you, he can't spray you. Uh, yeah, but what about when I actually take it off? And there was a moment of silence on the phone, and the man said, 
will do your best not to make the skunk feel threatened. So she agreed and walked out reluctantly to find that the skunk had disappeared, nowhere to be found. She thought she was off the hook, but then he shows back up again. And without thinking, she reached down, grabbed a hold of the yellow carton and pulled as hard as she could. And suddenly she was face to face with the skunk. She said she held its gaze for a full 10 seconds, trying to not make it feel threatened. And finally the skunk turned around and ran off. She writes, to this day, I call this a timeless parable that played itself out in my backyard. I realize now that the skunk was all those needs that I hesitate to get involved in because involvement takes time and I have deadlines to make and I probably can't do anything anyway and somebody else can handle it. Besides, involvement can get ugly and the stench might rub off on you and all those things are true, she said, but I've got a yellow pencil holder on my desk rather scratched and battered one, to remind me that every now and then, God answers a need with me. Uh, I think that is even more true now as we go back into our world and things start to go back to normal. We're all going to be a little bit afraid of the contagion. We're all going to be a little bit afraid, and we need to keep practicing all the right things. But the difference for the Good Samaritan and the priest and the Levite is that the Samaritan could see the need and was not afraid of his comfort level or his contamination level. Who might that be? Well, it might be an older person that, you know, is just old and forgotten. It could be a smelly street guy or girl that you're going to pass on your way back to work when you get back to going back to work, and there's likely to be more of them after this. could be that quiet person at the office. It could be that obnoxious person in your small group that talks so much and drives everyone else crazy. That's really bad on Zoom, isn't it? And you know what? There's one in every group. And if you're sitting there thinking, there's not one in my group, you're it. What do you do with compassion? So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine and set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more I owe you, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Notice the Samaritan went on to do his business. He helped the guy, he paid for his care, but then he left and went and did his own thing, okay? I think it's fair to surmise that the Samaritan here doesn't just drop everything and help this guy. I think what Jesus is saying is, you know, being a good neighbor is not about emptying out your savings account or quitting your job. He may ask you to do that, but really being a good neighbor is really just about opening your eyes to the simple things that you can do to help someone in need. He picks the guy up. He cleans him up. He cares for him. He takes him to the equivalent of a hospital, says, here's my credit card number. There will probably be more expenses. See, being a Christian really isn't about a title. It's not about a label like priest or Levite. It's about what you do. It's about what you practice. So you've got to get off of your donkey and put somebody else up on it, okay? I really wanted to use the King James on this one. You got to get off your donkey. You know, that, think about it for a second. It would have been a different word. I wanted to use it, but my wife wouldn't let me. And I'm quarantined with her right now, so you have to be careful. I love the guy who posted, I have the most loving wife in the world. Last night I woke up and, and she was holding a pillow tightly over my face to protect me from COVID-19. Listen, 
If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to get off your donkey one way or another. Compassion is inconvenient. And listen, this road wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It was familiar territory. So what I want you to do is I want you to go out into familiar territory. Get out of your house. Step out onto the block. Maybe say a quick prayer. This is your road. How many people, though they may not be laying down by the side of the road bleeding, are, how many of them are in need of compassion? And we don't know because they're shut in right now. Well, we're going to give you details after this sermon on what you can do. We're going to make it easy for you with a card that you can share um, with your neighbors where you can offer to help and you can share our website and just be a neighbor. We're going to make it easy for you. I, I just think that that phrase that, that, that the Good Samaritan said, when I come again, is important. Okay, When I come back, I'll pay you what, what, what I need to pay you. He realizes this isn't a one-shot thing. I'm in this for the longer haul, right? This is about relationship, like everything else that has to do with mission of Jesus. So we're going to end with a great video, The Legend of the Flower Man, written by this beautiful book written by Mark Ludy about how one man brought flowers and love and beauty to a world of black and white and ugliness. I want you to just listen to it and know how much this is what our church is going to be about. After telling the story, Jesus leans in to, you know, sports reporter guy and everybody else. And he says, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, him who showed mercy. And Jesus said, right. But now here's the hard part of the story. What Jesus says next in verse 37 is, is the really hard part. It's the really important part. And I believe he's saying it to us today. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Along the road of your life, we have to stop asking, who is my neighbor? And start asking, won't you be my neighbor? So... Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Sing it with me. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor?